I'm Deb Ondo, and this is What's Art Got to Do With It? Conversations about aesthetic experiences and approaches to art and life. Today, I talk with Eileen Cutler, activist, artist, and founder of IC Film, where she utilizes media to address important social issues. Her latest documentary project, We Remember, follows a group of Hudson Valley singer-songwriters as they meet and spend time with Holocaust survivors, and then write music based on the stories. Eileen's other projects include the documentary Taking a Chance on God, the story of John McNeil, a Jesuit priest and hero for gay Catholics, and Dreamers Among Us, stories of immigrant youth seeking higher education and equal rights in America. Let's get to it. You grew up in New York City and you were adopted as an infant. And that no doubt has shaped who you are as a human being, an artist, and I'm sure an activist. You know, I think that so much in life is left to chance. And um, I really feel like being adopted and starting my life the way that I did was a lot about luck, right? Mm -hmm. And a set of circumstances that resulted in me growing up with the family that I did, loving parents, really stable home, you know, really feeling grounded in my uh, identity. Uh, and it wasn't until later in life that I allowed myself even to consider where I came from or, you know, who my, what my biological roots were. And yeah, until later in life, I, I did a search and I was able to find my birth mother and uh, found out I had a sister, full sister and uh, a beautiful niece uh, who I'm going to visit with next week, who is in her 30s. And yeah, so all those years later, uh, connecting with the truth and, um, you know, having all the information is just so, so important. And it was my adoptive parents that really helped me in that search. And they were part of that. And uh, I was able to connect up with, you know, understanding my, my background, you know, since Ancestry.com and 23andMe is now, you know, on the uh, landscape, a lot of us have used that to uh, find out about our ancestry, our path, our roots. And uh, so I've been happy to be able to do that and, and, and to know more about the other side of my family. So you grew up in New York City and you also lived in California and Oregon. Is there a straight line between those things? I came up to New Paltz for college, right, mm -hmm. and um, in the 70s. Uh, and that was the best. You know, New Paltz is still just such a great, great place, great town, great college. Uh, and, you know, I met my, you know, connected with my tribe of friends that are still my friends. And uh, we were really so fortunate to have those, those years together. And, you know, I studied art. I went in thinking that I wanted to be a painter. You know, I loved drawing, mm -hmm. painting. And then I took a photography course and boom, it was like, oh my God, this is magic, right? <laughs> uh, so photography yeah. and, and film. And, uh, and then, yeah, I wanted to live in California. I mean, I wanted to travel. I wanted to travel, go cross country. And uh, with my partner at the time, we... Um, got in a van and just drove and, you know, we didn't really know where we were going to land <laughs> and, and we landed in Oregon on, on a piece of land where, you know, I learned how to build and grow food and, you know, ride a horse bareback and shoot a gun, you know, stuff like that in Oregon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, we live without electricity and running water. So, you wow. know, 
I got I I I did want to do that, but I after a while it was like, oh my god, I want to be somewhere where I could turn the lights on. So we moved to uh, San Francisco, and uh, I worked with a photographer there, uh, assisting. But you know, the, the, actually, I ended up coming back to New York uh, in large part because I was doing my search at that time and uh, mm -hmm. trying to find out about my biological family, and it was really hard to do it from so far away. Sure. So I came back and um, ended up back in New Paltz, and yeah, I've been back here ever since. Yeah, you found photography. Photography found you. Uh, but as I understand it, you started your career in human services. Being in this area, there's only so much employment, right? And I felt like to be a photographer, be a filmmaker, at that time, you had to live in a big city. And mm -hmm. I really didn't want to live in a big city. I wanted to be in the country. I really valued having space around me and, and uh, a peaceful setting. And I loved going to the city, visiting the city, coming home. Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, uh, I didn't want to live there to work. So what kind of work was there around here? Really kind of limited. Uh, human services was a big, is a big field still. And uh, a friend of mine called me, Judy Stanger is her name. She called me one day. I was working on a horse farm. I was mucking stalls and working with thoroughbred horses. A girl from Queens, how did I know how to do that? I didn't, but I, that's what I was doing, right? We had to take whatever jobs we could. And she called me, she said, you know, I, I'm working with this program in Poughkeepsie with uh, disadvantaged youth uh, who have dropped out of high school. It's this alternative program based on a, a model out of Vermont um, called Smoky House. And uh, they're hiring, you should apply. And I'm, I was like, you know what? I've done a lot of different things, but I have not worked with teenagers. I don't even know anything about them. I mean, I used to be one, but I don't know. Anyway, I went to this interview and uh, there were a lot of people vying for this position, and and I got the job. And uh, and I remember my boss, a man named Jim Klassen, who hired, who was one of the people sitting around this conference table of like 12 people, asked me, you know, all kinds of questions. Uh, I remember him saying to me later that, you know how when someone tells you, uh, you know, a joke, and uh, and if you don't get it, you have to figure out the punchline. Well, you got the punchline. Mm -hmm. You you get this work, you understand it, and. And then off I went doing all kinds of very cool projects in Dutchess County with, with 16 to 20 year olds, all kinds of things that we, it was such a, you know, I don't want to talk about this too much, but I, I just need to tell you about this project it was so sure. good that um, it was based on this model on this farm, as I said, where so kids who have dropped out of high school, they are, you know, um, not interested in being in a classroom. So this concept was, the classroom would be in the field. And we did things like, um, and we learned together. So I was, my job title was crew leader and I had a crew of six kids and we would go out into Dutchess County doing all kinds of things like cutting trails in Norrie State Park. We, we learned how to build and I would learn with them. So it wasn't like I had the skills together. We would go to the library, actual mm -hmm. library. There was no internet and research how to do things. And we would do it. We built benches in the parks. We renovated a historic home. We reglazed windows. We ended up building an addition onto the homeless shelter for a children's library. So it was just a great job. Anyway, I did that for five years. And, uh, and then through different connections, um, a woman named Pat Kellett asked me to come and um, direct the independent living program, which was for older homeless teens, 16 to 21 in Poughkeepsie. 
And at the time it was just myself and another case manager. And uh, eventually the program grew. Eventually we were able to own the build a building where there were apartments where the kids could live mm. off the street, uh, out of the jails, out of hospitals. And, and I did that for 16 years. And I loved it. It was very hard to leave it. When I did, I, I went, I got into film and photography again. You know, I think that's a that's a great backstory and important to who you who you are again as a human being, but then how you carry your experience, what you learned, uh, and and how the, those years in human services shaped you. You that are were then able to bring that into the work you do as a documentary filmmaker. Um, you know, it's very clear from the, the, the types of uh, the subject matter that you choose and, and what you've worked on in the past. It seems to me that was a, you know, sort of serendipitous, wonderful route to take to be able to be a documentary filmmaker. One question I like to ask everybody is from a religious or spiritual perspective, how has that played a role, do you think, in who you are as an artist? You know, I'm, I, I was never religious. Um, my family wasn't, but we're, we're Jewish and we really believe strongly in the, you know, the cultural traditions and, you know, the meaning of being Jewish in large part is, is having compassion for others and um, a commitment to doing, you know, the kind of work and paying attention to people in the way that that is needed. So I, I, I have a you know spiritual connection, but but not an organized religious connection. I believe in in people needing to come together in the best way possible and to recognize each other and to try to find a way uh, to connect. And you know, on some levels, is spiritual. It's informed my life. Just the other night, you know, Rosh Hashanah was something we were celebrating, right? And celebrating, you know, for us is really a lot about good food and friends and family. And we actually tuned into the Woodstock congregation had, you know, the rabbi, Rabbi Jonathan is so wonderful. And he was doing a, um, a service and it was beautiful. It was songs, music, all of this is so good. Anyway, and it was, you know, during that service that, you know, we learned about Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away. And, you know, it was just so comforting to be with this, large group of people um, experiencing this together, you know? Yeah, I, I can appreciate that. I, I know I had friends texting me and, and calling me that night. So, yeah. Definitely, definitely scary, scary times. And, you know, we, de- we just have to remain hopeful somehow that we can grab a hold and turn things around and, and um, be inspired by her example and others like her and, and the sacrifices that they made. And, you know, I mean, I guess being Jewish and, and paying attention to the Holocaust and knowing some Holocaust survivors in my life has also uh, really informed how I think. I mean, there isn't a day that goes by that, you know, I don't think about what has happened in our history, how her- horrific and how that, you know, plays out now and how we, we don't seem to learn and move forward in the best way. So. We, uh, we, we move two steps forward, one step back, or sometimes one step forward, two steps back, it seems. If we understood where we'd been a little bit more, I think maybe we, we'd be a little bit smarter about how we move forward. That's a great segue to uh, talk about We Remember. This is a documentary project where you are following Hudson Valley singer-songwriters. They're meeting Holocaust survivors over the course of several months. They're hearing their stories, they're absorbing those stories, and then they are going and 
writing songs, beautiful project, and then they're performing those songs as a, as a tribute to a live audience. That sort of sums it up. But please share what this documentary uh, is, is about and what it means to you. Okay. And, it, and this is something that I, I'm working on uh, with my friend and colleague, Tim Miller. And, and Tim actually came to me. I had done some other work for Sage Arts. So Sage Arts is an organization that has this you know, incredible creative idea to, to pair folks up with elders and to tell their stories through song. They've done a, a several different iterations of that. One of them was with farmers, uh, Hudson Valley farmers, and uh, and I helped with uh, making a video about that show, uh, and that was amazing. You know, farmers who were just like, uh, you know, I don't know why you want to celebrate me. I'm just, you know, the guy or the woman who's growing you the food, and uh, it was so beautiful to have them, you know, be in the audience, come up on stage, receive you know, these accolades, hear this amazing music, super talented, top of the line uh, singer songwriters participating in all of the Sage Arts projects. Mm -hmm. anyway, so Tim uh, came to me and said, I think we should make a documentary about the Holocaust survivors that they're gonna be mm -hmm. working with now. And uh, it was a daunting concept, you know, but I'm glad that uh, that he was, he was so uh, impassioned by it. And uh, we spent, you know, the next year, pretty much uh, following the singer songwriters through their process, you know, together and then individually, each of them meeting with their subjects and uh, in their homes, learning about their lives, sharing photos and stories, and then eventually composing music in their honor. And then it all culminated in a concert in uh, May at uh, Mount St. Mary College in Newburgh. And there were, you know, this theater seated a thousand people. It was pretty close to full, huge audience. And here the Holocaust survivors were there. They got to be there, mm -hmm. sit in the audience and then come up on the stage and, and witness this. Sad to say that uh, several are no longer with us, but like with the project I worked on about John McNeil, I was just so grateful to be able to sit in the audience and see them there and know that they were seeing this. Uh, yeah. It was an you know, after they passed. I'd like to play the, uh, the trailer, it's so moving. So without further ado, let's play the, uh, the trailer. My brother, because he was young and strong and an athlete, he got an order to meet in one of the groups in Auschwitz because they want to give him a job. And we believed it. So my brother went and uh, we never saw him again. The first verse is the story of you talking about noticing like the, the, the boiling a frog of like people disappearing, ending with your decision to go into the woods and preparing it and getting in there to survive. Sage Arts is an organization that pairs songwriters up with elders in our community. As I see it, my job is to listen to your story as you want to tell it, whatever you want to tell me. The two of us together will construct a song. This is a map of where we were hiding. This was all camouflaged, and the opening was here where we crawled in and out. And we had to survive seven months, 200 days. I never wore this. When the Germans in Antwerp said, you have to wear it, the first day I got it, I took it off, put it in my shoe. I was just a teenager. I said, no way will I wear that. 
my father, mother, and myself and brother escaped. And the rest, gone. Internally, she's a very strong optimist, despite everything that she's gone through. You know, she's got this spirit about her that is just, you know, like, plow ahead, move on, you know. So I'm trying to work it all into a feeling of really no matter how dark the day is, you know, it's still, the sun is still going to break through kind of thing, you know. Some of them perished in the Holocaust. My son put them on the gray background. My uncle ran away, when I told you, he jumped out of the window and he ran away, and he got caught at the border and he got shot. So me, sing, let's I'm see. I'm going to sing you a song. Go ahead. <laughs> the sun still shines above the darkness on the days we've lost our way when everything can feel so heartless the sky she always smiles above the rain when all appears undone we were approached by jewish family service who were very attracted by the work we were doing and wanted to partner to honor Holocaust survivors artistically through songs, which is distinctly different than how they've been honored in the past. The songwriters work one-on-one -on -one with these incredible people who have these amazing stories and this wealth of wisdom. And then we present it in a concert. And that concert is a way to share these stories in a way that is more accessible to people. I am talking with filmmaker Eileen Cutler. For more information and to help fund production of the documentary, We Remember, visit the We Remember with Music Facebook page. If you're enjoying this episode, please head over to iTunes and submit a review so more listeners can find us. Next, Eileen talks about her experiences with documentary audiences and how each film changes her life. You know, I produce documentaries and it is a labor of love and you are forever changed as a result. I mean, you just, you walk away a different human being and you, you hope when people watch the documentary, it changes them a little bit, but certainly as the filmmaker, it changes you. And I'm, I'm curious how that manifests for you with this project. It's so interesting that you, that you say that uh, labor of love, because for, for every documentary that I, I've worked on, those are the words that often come up for me right because we're not this is it's not about um anything more than feeling the strong desire to tell a story and to reveal to uh, you know a wider audience the the importance of of the lives of these folks you know labor of love absolutely and um and you know you do you feel uh even though you're it's not you know monetary you're rich from the experience as a filmmaker uh especially when 
you make an audience feel it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I had the pleasure of being in audiences where, and I, you know, I often joke about this, like, you know, when I make even short videos, if if I don't make someone cry, I'm not, I'm not content, right? Agreed. I right? We want to make people cry. More. People cry. Yeah. Uh, humor and and tears. It's a laughter and tears. Yes. That's so important. I think I think I was telling you I, I got to be uh, with one of the last international screenings of Taking a Chance on God which was in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. It was an amazing experience, this antique, this historic old theater mm. packed with mostly gay audience. And, you know, the film is about John McNeil, who was an inspiration hero for gay Catholics. And they were so taken by the film. They were just, they were, sh they were really shocked, surprised that they could hear someone like him speaking about how it's okay to be who you are. And they, they were just, they were weeping. And uh, mm -hmm. I had to do a Q&A, uh, you know, with, with the Portuguese interpreter. And that was just, it was amazing. Uh, you know, it, it was surreal. I was standing up there on the stage like, wow, where am I? Yeah. Oh, this moment, yeah. Laughing and everybody with tissues and tears and, oh. That's oh, great. And then I'm in Rio when I hit yeah. outside, you know, I'm in Ipanema Beach. That was... <laughs> That was fabulous. Yeah. yeah. I'd love to, to go in and talk about the other current project that you have underway, which is Generation to Generation, Ulster County's Living History Project. Can you tee that up for us? Because we also have a, a very short clip on that. Sure. And again, you know, this was um, a wonderful person, a wonderful friend of mine, Beth McLendon Albright, who is the director of Ulster Corps that coordinates volunteer activities for uh, for Ulster County. She also works for family. And uh, we met way back when we were campaigning for Obama. So she, she came to me 10 years ago. We did this project called Harvesting a Lifetime. And it was about bringing young people and seniors together, elders in Ulster County, having them tell their stories. And the kids learned basic filmmaking skills, lighting, interviewing, all of this, and then editing. And it was a summer long project. And at the end of the summer, the students made DVDs and we had a party and all the seniors came and the kids got to give with a bow. Beth, you know, wrapped it up beautifully. And we had this um, incredible exchange. And, you know, a lot of those seniors are now gone and their families have this keepsake forever. Mm -hmm. and, you yeah. know, the seniors learned about the kids, the kids about the seniors. So anyway, fast forward 10 years and, um, and Beth gets in touch again and says, you know, County Executive Pat Ryan, a number of other Ulster County entities, you know, they're interested in us doing a, a new version of that. You know, can you do that? And I said, well, what's the budget? You know, this is really never <laughs> my first question I have to ask it anyway, right? Okay. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, but, you know, can, can you pull it off? So I, I got involved, you know, we were planning on doing it before the pandemic. And then once the pandemic hit, uh, it had to take on a remote reality. Mm -hmm. We had to do everything through Zoom and uh, teach the students online. And then uh, they captured their videos online. And I worked with a young man who actually a few of the mentors who were in, who worked on Generation to Generation with me had been in Harvesting a Lifetime as students um, or as much younger people 10 years ago. So here they were now, you know, being... Um, Chris Nostrand uh, co-coordinated it with me. He uh, 
He was a young man right out of, you know, right out of high school when we did this 10 years ago. He went on to New Paltz and Hunter College, got his master's in filmmaking, now teaches at New Paltz. So anyway, so 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 we did this and uh, we did it over the summer. We were planning on six weeks and ended up going longer, maybe 10 weeks or more. We're still kind of finishing it up. It's not fully uh, broadcast to the public yet, but it will be soon. Okay. And uh, we have excerpts. So each one of the students did a short excerpt that they could play. There's nine students and there were nine students and, and 10 subjects. And uh, we had a Zoom session with everyone, all of the seniors, all the kids. And then the, the students uh, sh showed their videos and then the, you know, the seniors were able to comment and see them. And oh, how wonderful. That was amazing. It was. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. The one clip that I yeah. shared you yes uh, is that up for us okay so so her name uh the student's name is Najee Hoffman she's a Walk Hill high school student and she was paired up they were each paired up with a senior she was paired up with Maud Bruce who is a woman who lives in Ellenville New York and she is the president of the NAACP in Ellenville and um for each one of these pairs Deb each one of them ended up you know, it was as if they knew each other before. Mm. They have an now an ongoing, forever kind of you know relationship yeah. that will trans transcend this project. So it's the power of art, it's the power of creative expression, using our yeah. imaginations, you know, and daring to put these stories into the world. It's fabulous. Yeah. Just fabulous. Well, okay, so let's play that clip. Okay. Cool. It's a, it's a uh, special moment, you know, in your life when you're carrying a child. And um, my Jimmy Lee Bruce Jr., the ones that deceased, he was in college. He was in college when he came home for Christmas, for the Christmas break. And him and a group of friends went to the movie to see Golden Child in the town of Warkill, and they had went to see the Golden Child, and it was two police officers in their moonlight as security guard. And the Golden Child by Eddie Murphy was a funny movie. And the, the um, cops came over and told them in the movie that they was too loud. And they, you know, I guess that, you know how you calm down and then you get loud again because the movie get excited. So he came, they came and told him they had to leave and escorted them out. And this particular cop followed, I don't, followed my son out in the parking lot and put him in a chokehold and killed him. Murdered him, no kill him, he murdered my child. Mm -hmm. But we, I fought that case for, for six long years. And that cop, that officer did not go any place. The thing that the NAACP did, we prom promoted sensitivity training in the school and we promoted sensitivity train training for the police department as the police department need to look like what the community look like and that's what we are fighting for now to make things better for our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren our nieces and nephews whatever you know it needs whatever happened it need to look like the community 
we fighting more harder now for justice than we did in the 60s with the civil rights movement with uh, Reverend Martin Luther King. And we've been having rallies here in Ellenville, and I'm so proud of our young people because they came forward and organized the first rally. Black Lives Matter. You gotta vote. You gotta vote. The power is in your hands. And Eileen, what's next? What's the progression? How do you get this out to the public? Yeah, we're, uh, we've got one more student who's working on her finished videos, and I think we're going to have them by the end of the week. And then we're going to, um, Ulstercoy will be hosting uh, the videos on that page. Uh, they're all YouTube links, and everyone can, can see them. Yeah, this was, this was an amazing connection. Each one of the seniors and students, their stories are so important. And, you know, a lot of the students, they hadn't even done any video work, any filmmaking work before. A lot of them were learning how to edit for the first time. Um, <laughs> it's true. They yeah. did an amazing job. They did an amazing job. And, you know, for, for Najee, having, you know, having Maude Bruce as her, her subject um, has really changed her, her life. And she, she talks about that, you know, how uh, incredible it was. And I, and I think I, I had mentioned to you uh, that the day that I connected with Maude about the potential of this project uh, was the day that Andrew Cuomo was signing the Eric Garner uh, anti-chokehold bill. So all of these years later, Deb, in 1986, this happened in Middletown, you know, in the Hudson yeah. Valley, you know, this young man home from college and uh, she had, there was no justice. There was no justice for her. So, you know, projects like this that can connect uh, young people to the important stories of elders is um, priceless. Yeah, it's it's so multifaceted, Eileen, because you've got the, the multi-generational aspect of it. And then, of course, the subject matter itself and this this recurring theme in, a, in our country, unfortunately, which just permeates who we are as a society. That incident took place in 1986, and she, she's right on the, on the money when she says we're fighting harder now than we did back during the civil rights era. And I think many of us are asking the questions why. I think many of us are really trying to understand why do we have to keep going back? Why do we have to keep crossing this, this threshold? And why do we have to keep dealing with all of this? And it's work like this. And again, this this is really, you know, what's art got to do with it? This is just, a, a, I think, a great example of how powerful art can be and why we have to keep putting it out there and why we have to to not be afraid of, of the tough subjects and putting these voices out into the world that might never otherwise be heard. And, you know, like you're saying, you know, with all of our history, you know, I, I guess what results is, the things that have happened historically in the civil rights movement. And then here we are so much further down the road and then something, things like this are still able to happen. The only thing that can result in that is outrage. And the only thing that should result in that is outrage. And yes. then no matter what do you do with the outrage, yes. right? What, what can we do with that? You know, besides wanting to just, you know, 
blow things up, burn it down, or that might, you know, bring greater compassion out of people. I, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. We're all grappling with that right now. From outrage to art. I think it's all of the above, Eileen. I think we've seen what how the outrage manifests itself. And, and then unfortunately, what happens is that you have folks who haven't bothered to learn the background of why we are where we are, don't understand uh, race in America. So then it's easy to point fingers. And I'm not condoning violence by any stretch, but but it's important to understand why that violence occurs. And if we start asking questions, if we can remain curious and be in conversation about it, we're going to we're going to get through that violence. We're going to then get into a place of maybe being able to solve these things piece by piece by piece, because it's large and it will not go away for a very long time. And and that's the other, that's the power of art too. You know, it's not only to bring a smile to your face, it's to create a sense of outrage. And even sometimes, you know, all, all of the other emotions that that come with awakening, because frankly, you know, we've all been lied to our whole lives. And, right. and race is nothing more than a construct. It, it's become a weapon. And Anyway, yeah. I might, might have to devote an entire show to. It's okay. And really get into that. Cause I think. That, okay. I, I just want to add to that, that when we've gone to these demonstrations, right. You know, protest demonstrations, the women's March. I mean, I think about the signs that I see the art that comes out of it, the murals, you know, yeah. with, with a young woman now who's going to focus on, you know, BLM black lives matter murals in New York city. She's doing a documentary about that, and um, and I'm assisting her uh, with that project in New York. Um, oh, fantastic! But yeah, that there's art can come out of so many different functions. Yeah, I, and I think it I think it naturally does. I think throughout our history, I mean, art started way before everything. Art art was one of the earliest ways that we communicated or and tried to make sense of things you know, even in some ways before we even thought about this notion of religion. And so, you know, to this day, and I think always as, as human beings, we will use art as a way to test, to measure, to question, uh, to think about uh, and, and try to make sense of the, the world we live in. I, I'm so grateful that we could talk about these important projects that you have going on. Is there a way for the for viewers and the, the public at large to get involved in helping to you know, fund uh, generation to generation. You know, the project is completed, but, you know, there might be future projects. And and folks can contribute to Ulster Corps. Uh, Ulster Corps is a wonderful, wonderful agency out of uh, Stone Ridge, Ulster County. They do all kinds of amazing uh, altruistic things in the community. So, yeah. So we're, we're in this moment of incredible uncertainty and unrest, and we just have to keep putting our art out there and daring to think about what we can do with with our art and how it can uh, play a role in just bringing people together in, in this in this time of polarization. So the uncertainty and the unrest, you know, comes in large part from the polarity that exists. And so it's it's more important now than ever to bring people back together, to keep conversations going and to, you know, be able to look across the table and say, OK, maybe we aren't so different after all. Let's talk. Right. And a, a lot of the uh, the division is. Uh due to a lack of information, lack of connection, you know. I remember when I worked with the teenagers in, in Poughkeepsie, many of them had not really known anyone who was gay, right? So they had mm -hmm. 
they have preconceived notions about what a gay person was. And I wouldn't come out to them right away, right? I would build a relationship and then I would let them know who I was and they would be like, what? <laughs> what? How could that be? I thought I didn't, you know, I like you. I, lo I even love you. And you're gay. Like, that doesn't go together. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because we see each other as human beings, not as the labels. Right. The constructs. Yeah. And so I, you know, I really believe in like not hitting anyone over the head with anything and trying to, you know, find a path mm -hmm. toward understanding. And that's not always easy. And it's, you know, frustrating. And, and sometimes, sure. But when you can do it, that's like magic, right? When that happens. Yes. Yeah. Right. Very much so. It's great. Yeah. Eileen, is there anything else that you'd like to say about um, those projects or any other projects that you might have on the horizon? Not that I can think of right now, Deb. I've been uh, trying to find time to be out in nature at the same time. We need mm -hmm. that. We feed yep. that. Very much so. Yeah. Right? Like I got to step away from my monitor and yeah. editing. And, Absolutely. Know, yes. Outside. I've got a, a year old dog that, uh, you know, is in his final chapter and Mm. So I'm grateful that I could I could spend this time with him now. And our son lives in in Denver, and he's going to come for a visit in a couple of weeks, and and that'll be great to have him here. Wonderful. Turning 25 soon. How'd that happen? I actually um I hope to get back to photography. I mean, photography doing doing filmmaking uh, I could do remotely, right? And mm -hmm. you know, do a bit of photo editing, but to be out in the world taking pictures again will will feel good. I was mentioning to you that I went to uh, the demonstration early on after uh, George Floyd's death in Poughkeepsie, and I did some photography there of that crazy situation. It was, you know, a major a major reaction from law enforcement. They had, you know, way too many police, and it was a very peaceful demonstration. It was all out of whack. Uh, but anyway, uh, um, uh, a man that I know who lives here in my town, who's a filmmaker, he made this film about um, Eric Garner, featuring his mom, Eric Garner's mom, um, wanting to celebrate Eric's birthday. And his his name is is Lenny Bass, and he uh, he reached out to me for those photographs. So mm -hmm. you know, even though that was like the last one of the last times I was out shooting in the street, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. uh, so he made this beautiful uh, music video that I don't think I shared with you yet. That I'll, I'll share with you. And and those some of those photos are are in that. Oh wow, that's, so that's great. Yeah, yeah, and yet another example. I mean, our our phones. You know, the camera in our phones is right. it's powerful. As we've seen over and over again, unfortunately, and we've seen the horror that that that, that comes from that kind of witnessing. But um, but yeah, yeah it's uh, videos, right? Without videos and photography, so so important to be capturing. And again, you know, another point about Lenny is that his son was a film student at New Paltz, and he was an intern that I was working with last year. His name is Aji, and he's you know a really talented kid, and uh, and his parents lived in Brooklyn, uh, and he you know he graduated from New Paltz, he moved out to L.A., and then um, and then I got uh, a message from I hadn't met his parents, but I got a message from his parents that they had left Brooklyn and moved to High Falls to my town. Mm. And so we got together. This was right before, you know, the pandemic hit. So we got together for coffee and uh, mm -hmm. connected and they're filmmakers. And uh, so we were able to collaborate on this project. 
you know, I, it's just some, a very good message for young people, for anyone, just about, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, navigate, how do you maneuver? It's so much of, of, uh, so much of, is chance. Uh, and, uh, and then making these connections that lead to, lead to, you know, all the different right. in your life. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I think there's a little something that uh, there are ripples, you know, in, out in, in the, in the universe. And when you take a step, I think sometimes the universe will conspire to, uh, to help us along our path. So yeah, yeah it's a great example. Up next, the lightning round of quirky questions. What makes you awestruck? What makes you say, wow? I think that moments where people demonstrate true kindness blows me away. I love to see that. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose the day we stop being wowed by that is, is maybe just a good days, a good days. Yeah, surprise, you know, surprising acts of kindness. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's so true. And speaking of kindness, the next question is, what is the kindest thing someone has ever done for you? I should be prepared with that. Uh, <laughs> no, it probably it probably would start with with my family and my parents adopting me <laughs> and having me as their, you know, their true child. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. What is your favorite tree? I would say a palm tree. Oh. Uh-huh. Very nice. Yeah. I like to be where the palm trees are. So they must be my favorite tree. There you go. <laughs> what is your favorite smell? I love the smell of, well, I have two. Can I say two? Sure. Bread baking. Mm. Mm, love that. It's and marijuana, really. It's interesting. Okay. When I'm in one of those states where you're allowed to smell it. Right, right. What is your least favorite smell? Uh, you know, I don't like patchouli oil. Okay. It's not my least favorite, though. Maybe like car exhaust. I don't know. Burning oil. All right. The final question is, what is your favorite kitchen utensil? Okay. My favorite (laughs) is probably my tongs. Very handy in the kitchen. I like them. Yeah. (laughs) So many things you can do with tongs. You really can. You know, I just got a new set, so... I'm learning to, uh, I'm connecting with them. (laughs) Connecting with your dogs. I don't know. Eileen, this has been great. Thank you. I really, really appreciate your time this evening. And again, just grateful that um, I can share your story and and the important work that you're doing. So thank you for all you do, Deb. You're wonderful. You are amazing. (laughs) I love that we met by chance. And here you are all these years later. Here we are. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the connection is all about. You have been listening to What's Art Got to Do With It. I'm Deb Ondo. To follow Eileen online, check out the show notes on whatsartgottodowithit.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes and submit a review so more listeners can find us. Thank you for being here.